Hello and welcome to Get Flushed, the portable sanitation podcast. My name's Pete and I'll be your host. It's been a busy week at the Get Flushed HQ. We launched on Spotify and Apple Podcast and we've reached our first 100 subscribers. We now have listeners in New Zealand, Australia, the United States, England, Scotland, Germany, India and Abu Dhabi. Thank you to everyone who's listened in and subscribed to the show. We've registered a name name, which is getflushed.online, and we're working on a website. That will be launched in due course. Make sure you hook into our Facebook page, search for Get Flushed, where you'll find all the latest news and information about the show. I had strangely similar feedback from three listeners this week. Richard said, great podcast, took me by surprise because I thought it was going to be satirical. Tim said, it's really interesting, and Paul wrote, full of weird facts, but I was waiting for the punchline. Well, you're right about one thing, this is not a comedy show, and it's not satirical either. Get Flushed is the first and only podcast dedicated to portable sanitation. That industry is worth $15 billion a year, and it's projected to grow to over $23 billion by 2025. If any industry deserved a podcast, it's portable sanitation. In last week's episode, we looked at the steps needed to set up and run a portable toilet business. We looked at the different segments in the market, and we heard how Andy grew the business at ABC. This week, we're at the sharp end, and I've been out in a sanitation truck with one of my old mates to clean some portable loos. But before we go, let's ask, what is the correct term for someone who cleans portable toilets? Well, the obvious answer is Kenny after the movie of the same name. Now, if you're in the industry, you've probably seen it and you'll know exactly what I mean. And if you haven't, well, check it out and watch it this weekend. When frontline roles are advertised, they typically use terms like applied hygiene specialist, portable sanitation technician or pump truck driver. But the people who do this job that I know are pretty down to earth and most of them keep it simple. They call themselves boo men, even if they're women. It's not a derogatory term. People in this job take pride in what they do and calling each other a poo man is almost a term of endearment and it lets everybody know what you do. Hey, I'm a poo man. And on that note, I caught up with my old mate while he was out cleaning toilets. I arranged to meet him on a subdivision, just by a new build, where one of his toilets was on the site. So I'm out with my old mate Kerry, he's come to service some toilets, he's just getting the hose out and getting his equipment set up before he turns everything on and starts cleaning. How long do you think this will take Kerry? Uh, 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. So he's put the hose in the toilet, he's going back to the truck. Pretty noisy. As Kerry got to work, I noticed he had a petrol-driven vacuum pump which was mounted on the back of his truck. Attached to that was a 20-metre hose with a plastic pipe or a wand on the end. Kerry pushed the wand into the toilet and opened the valve. Pretty soon, everything had gone. So the first thing I noticed there, Kerry, there's not very much smell at all. No. No. That's, um... The perfume from the blue chemicals, but the, the actual toilet itself smells fairly fresh, even though it's been quite well used. Well, even even after lockdown, yeah. they actually surprisingly weren't too bad at all. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Right, put some... 
The maximum capacity of most individual long drop portable toilets is about 220 litres. That's absolutely full to the brim. On a site with four or five workers, that's usually enough to last a week, if not two. But the amount of time between toilet services is a hotly debated matter. In Christchurch here in New Zealand, most toilets on residential construction sites are cleaned every two weeks. And I often wonder about that. The blue chemicals used in toilets begins to degrade as soon as it's exposed to faecal waste. When the toilet's refilled and the blue is added to the fresh water, it turns a vivid shade of blue. By the end of two weeks, in a heavily used toilet, that water will have turned green and start to smell. Now I'm a great advocate of weekly cleans, but I understand that some customers work to a fixed budget and they may not see it that way and they may not always be willing to pay the costs for the extra service. In that clip, you've heard me comment on the fact that the toilet we cleaned didn't smell too bad. Set up properly, a toilet with enough fresh water and the right amount of additive won't smell. Unfortunately, a lot of drivers seem to add far too little water. In a long drop, the result will be a towering pile of waste that sits above the water like a volcano. And exposed to air, human waste really does smell, especially on warm days. And that smell attracts flies and vermin. One operator told me it took an angry phone call from a site foreman who said a female worker sat down to use a toilet only for a large rat to jump out of the tank right between her legs. The poor woman was scared to death. We could laugh, but it only happened because there wasn't enough water in the toilet. It shouldn't and wouldn't happen in a properly maintained loo. They're just wetting the walls down there with some disinfectant, Harry. Like heaven. Yeah. finished off by washing the inside of the cabin with disinfectant and wiping the services down with a clean rag. He told me that customers appreciated that finishing touch and it's nice to leave them with a fresh smelling loop that looks like and has been properly cleaned and dried. After I left Kerry and drove home I thought about the requirements of dealing with human waste on a regular basis. Under the 1957 United Nations regulations Effluent from portable toilets is recognised as a class 6.2 hazardous substance and that's because it may contain infectious pathogens that are dangerous to human health. These include tetanus, hepatitis A and hepatitis B and in some parts of the world there may also be a risk of cholera, diphtheria, typhoid fever and COVID-19. The Center for Disease Control in the United States issues advice to anybody who works with human waste under four headings, inoculations, basic hygiene, personal protective equipment, and training. I'll start with inoculations. However much we hope to avoid accidental exposure to human waste, there's always going to be an element of risk. Splashbacks and spillages do occur, but the risk of getting sick can be minimized through proper vaccinations. Within the industry, these are commonly known as poo shots or poop shots. Now, I know workers who haven't had their inoculations. I know others who don't know or can't remember if they've had their inoculations. But in my book, absolutely everyone who cleans toilets or handles waste should be inoculated at least against tetanus, hepatitis A and hepatitis B. It should form part of the pre-employment health check. No exceptions, no excuses, no jabs, no work.
The advice given by the Centre for Disease Control on Basic Hygiene for sanitation workers is very similar to current advice on COVID-19. Wash your hands with soap and water, especially before eating. Don't touch your eyes or mouth and cover any open cuts or sores. In addition to inoculations and basic hygiene, workers should also use the correct personal protective equipment to do the job. This should include goggles or eye shields, earplugs, gloves and safety boots. Wearing splash-proof overalls is also recommended, and that's great in theory, but it can be really impractical. Think about hot sunny days. When the outside temperature is 30 degrees centigrade, 86 Fahrenheit, the temperature inside a plastic portable toilet cabin can easily go over 40 degrees centigrade or 104 Fahrenheit. Working in that heat in overalls and a hard hat is really hard work. I know that many sites now require workers to wear long trousers and long sleeves, but cleaning toilets is physical work and I can understand why some poo men prefer to wear shorts and a vest. The CDC advice also mentions protective face masks or splash-proof shields, which protect your nose and mouth and eyes from splashes of human waste. But until COVID, I don't think I ever saw a poo man wearing a mask. Now that might just be a New Zealand thing. If you're overseas and you're listening in and you wear a mask, jump onto our Facebook page and leave a message. I'd love to know what the PPE requirements are when you're servicing toilets in your part of the world. The last part of the CDC advice covers training and they're very clear that all workers who handle human waste or sewage should receive training on disease prevention, basic hygiene practices, use and disposal of personal protective equipment and proper handling of human waste or sewage. Now I know that the Portable Sanitation Association International offers a series of online and face-to-face -face courses for its members and they're designed to improve knowledge and technical skills and proficiency across the industry. Here in New Zealand, technical qualifications are managed by the New Zealand Qualifications Authority and until December 2019, there was a unit standard, number 17229, operate a portable sanitation service vehicle. Now, unfortunately, that's been withdrawn, and that tells me that it was either not used, i.e. no providers delivered it, or very few, if any, students actually completed it. The result of that is that training here tends to be ad hoc, in-house and typically involves a more experienced or senior driver showing the new recruit what to do. Ongoing training and supervision tends to be very ad hoc and in some of the organisations I've seen managers are not inspecting or checking the standards that their drivers are achieving in the field. Now that potentially stores up a whole range of problems and we'll look in a later episode at what happens when drivers cut corners and take shortcuts. Ultimately that can lead to a damaged reputation and I've learned that customers are not always loyal and may switch providers if they think they're going to get a better service or a better deal elsewhere. Okay, I think that's quite a good place to stop. Before I wrap up, I'd like to give a shout out to two listeners, Amy and Stefan. I'm glad you're enjoying the show. And I'd like to thank Kerry for taking me on the ride along. In next week's show, I'll be in a yard on the tools putting together portable toilets. We'll see exactly what's involved in the assembly process. In the meantime, I hope you've enjoyed the show. I've been Pete and you've been listening to Get Flushed, the portable sanitation podcast.